Welcome to the second season of Murder in 20 podcast, where I, Bobby Stevens, am your host with a new episode every Wednesday. If you're a serious fan of true crime and love listening to podcasts, but don't want all that small talk, you've come to the right place. We get right to the facts. Murder in 20 episodes are concise and complete in 20 minutes. Less talk and more true crime. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. Adorable chocolate-haired Kelsey Barrett grew up with her brother Clinton on a rural farm in Washington. She grew into a beautiful young woman with dark almond eyes and dreams of flying the blue skies as a commercial pilot. She went to aviation school and in her mid-twenties, everything was going according to plan. Then, in a twist, she met Patrick Frazee online. Patrick, who was also in his mid-twenties, lived in Florissant, Colorado. Growing up, he rode horses and participated in the 4-H club. He joined up with his childhood friend, Joseph Moore, and together they ran cattle on numerous ranches they leased. Patrick had been in a relationship off and on with Crystal Kenny. She was a nurse in Idaho and loved to please people. Eventually, she moved on and married another man and had a daughter. But inside, her heart always longed to be with Patrick. On one of their on-again periods, she became pregnant while still married. Patrick wasn't happy with the baby news and instructed her to get an abortion. And she did. In 2016, Patrick suggested she get a divorce, so she filed the papers. But then her and Patrick drifted apart and they lost contact. After meeting him online, Kelsey moved to Woodland Park in Colorado to be with Patrick and got a job at Falcon Air Force Base as a flight instructor, then went on to take a job at Doss Aviation and Pablo. Patrick and Kelsey's relationship was rocky, on again, off again. In 2016, Kelsey became pregnant. Little Kaylee was born in the spring of 2017. There were complications with her birth. At the hospital, Patrick flew into a rage and directed his anger at the hospital staff to the point they called in social services to investigate if he was abusive towards Kelsey. Patrick wasn't happy about the pregnancy and didn't tell anyone. Later, when he showed up with Kaylee, people were shocked to find out that she was his daughter. He told numerous clients and acquaintances that didn't know Kelsey that she was an unfit mother and he was seeking sole custody. But that was far from the truth. Those who knew Kelsey knew she was a great mother and adored her daughter. She decorated her room in their sunny condo and filled it with toys and proudly displayed a picture of her on her desk at work. Kelsey settled into her busy life of being a single mom with a boyfriend who became an ex, then her fiancé, then back to being an ex. Patrick's friends Joseph asked him one day, how his relationship with Kelsey was going, and got an answer he wasn't expecting. 
Patrick replied that he'd found a way to kill her. Joseph told him to stop talking like that and get that thought out of his head. Patrick formed a sly grin and stated, No body, no crime, right? In October 2017, Patrick and Crystal reconnected, but he didn't tell her about Kelsey or Kaylee. He kept secret about them until August 2018, when he told her that Kelsey was harming Kaylee and that he wanted to take care of Kelsey. Crystal knew what he meant. He wanted Kelsey dead so he could have custody of Kaylee. Her mom, Cheryl, told Nine News that Kelsey loved coffee, especially caramel macchiatos and in the fall, pumpkin spice lattes. A month later, Patrick asked Crystal to kill Kelsey. He came up with a plan to poison her coffee with Valium or Ambien. Crystal drove the 750 miles from Idaho to Woodland Park. When she arrived, she couldn't bring herself to follow through with it. Instead, she picked up a coffee and, pretending to be a neighbor, knocked on Kelsey's door and handed her the coffee. She wanted to see what she was like. Crystal had a 12-hour drive to think about it. Why didn't she tell someone about Patrick's plan? A friend? A relative? The police? Another month went by, and Patrick hatched another plan. This time, he handed Crystal a metal pipe and instructed her to go to Kelsey's condo. Again, she couldn't go through with it. Instead, she drove to a gas station and took a nap in her car. After her nap, she went to Patrick's home, did some housework, and spent time with Kaylee. A week later, Patrick had a third plan. This time, Crystal would kill her with a baseball bat. He told her she would need to swing away. She followed his order and drove 750 miles with a bat in her car. But again, Crystal couldn't follow through with his plan and drove back to Idaho. Patrick knew that if he wanted Kelsey dead, he was going to have to find another way. The next step in his new plan was to return Kelsey's gun to her. During one of their arguments, Kelsey said something about harming herself, so Patrick took her gun away. She was excited to have it back. On the evening of November 21st, Patrick wasn't feeling well, and she went to buy in some medication at the store. The next day, Kelsey called her mom twice to talk about her plans for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Then she went shopping in Safeway. She was seen on the store security video, casually walking in, putting Kaylee in her baby carrier, shopping and leaving the store. That afternoon, Patrick stopped by Kelsey's condo, Little Kaylee was in the playpen in her room just down the hall. Patrick had a surprise for Kelsey. He blindfolded her by tying a sweater around her eyes and placed some candles in front of her, then asked her to guess the scent. 
full of anticipation, she leaned in. Patrick raised a bat he'd brought and struck Kelsey on the head. He raised the bat and swung again and again. As he continued to hit her, she asked him to please stop. But his hits didn't stop. The bat connected with her face so hard her teeth flew out. NBC News reported that blood splattered the walls, the rock fireplace, and dripped behind the couch. Drops hit the windowsill and spread as far as the kitchen. Kelsey was murdered at 29. Patrick then bundled up Kaylee and placed her in the baby carrier, covered her in a blanket, and put her in his truck. He drove to Walmart and shopped for half an hour. At 1.24, a neighbor's security camera recorded Patrick returning to Kelsey's condo. Then, at 2.30, he arrived at his family's for Thanksgiving dinner. At 4.20 p.m., Patrick drove back to Kelsey's condo. This is likely when he loaded her body into a black plastic tote that he'd brought and slid it into the back of his truck. Patrick texted and called Crystal numerous times. At 8.20 p.m., they finally connected and talked for almost an hour. Patrick told her she had a mess to clean. Crystal knew exactly what he meant. She told him that she had Thanksgiving plans and would go to Woodland Park in a couple days. That night at 10.03, his phone bounced off a tower near a ranch he leased. There, he went into the hay barn and laid the plastic tote on top of the hay. Patrick confirmed to Crystal what he'd done. Two days later, she obeyed his instructions out of fear that he would harm her daughter and packed her car with bleach, rubber gloves, and a protective suit and drove 750 miles. She picked up the keys from Patrick and drove to Kelsey's condo. Her eyes fell to the huge pool of dried blood on the living room carpet and the realization of what happened hit her. She closed the door and surveyed the horror. Patrick had given her instructions to clean up all the blood and to remove Kelsey's blood-soaked Bible and the sweater he'd wrapped around her eyes. And in particular, he needed her to find Kelsey's teeth. Crystal couldn't get the blood off Kaylee's stuffed animals and placed them in a trash bag along with the cushions from the couch. She managed to find a tooth of Kelsey's and put it in the trash bag. She cleaned up blood for hours, and as she did so, her conscience snuck in. She purposely left small specks of blood in the hopes that police would later find them. Four hours later, she left the condo, set the trash bag down in the driveway, then loaded it into her car. Soon after Patrick and Crystal met at a gas station, 
and she watched him fill a red gas can. Together, they drove to the hay barn. Inside, Patrick used a tractor to haul out the black tote. Beneath it, the hay had darkened. He loaded it up in his truck, and they drove to his property. He put the bat and the plastic bin in a trough and told Crystal not to shine the light on it as he doused it with gasoline. The fire burned so intensely hot as the flames leapt higher and higher. Patrick said that he would take anything that didn't burn and get rid of it in a dumpster or the river. Then he told Crystal that killing Kelsey with a bat was really hard, and that next time, he would stick to normal weapons. Next time, was he planning another murder? Crystal then drove Patrick's truck back to the gas station, grabbed her car filled with bloody garbage bags, and drove back to Patrick's. She threw the bags on the fire and watched them burn. They returned to the gas station she got in her car and headed back to Idaho. She took Kelsey's purse and cell phone with her and intentionally left her and Kelsey's cell phones on. They pinged off towers in Grand Junction, Salt Lake City, and Gooding in Idaho. Crystal put Kelsey's phone in the palm of her hand and tapped out a text to her supervisor at work telling him that she needed a week off to see her grandmother in Washington. Next, she texted Patrick, pretending to be Kelsey, and asked, Do you even love me? Patrick responded, Yes. Then she built a fire and burned Kelsey's phone and purse. Meanwhile, Kelsey's brother Clinton texted her, to ask what she, Kaylee, and Patrick wanted for Christmas and was waiting for her reply. He never got one. Then he texted her to ask if she received an ornament he'd sent for Kaylee. A few days later, on December 2nd, he still hadn't got a reply and called their mother. Together, they realized something wasn't right. Kelsey kept in contact frequently with her family and for them to go this long without hearing from her was highly unusual. Cheryl contacted police and reported her daughter missing. Police immediately began investigating Kelsey's disappearance. They talked to Patrick, who seemed unconcerned and couldn't recall the exact date he picked up his daughter. He mentioned that he returned Kelsey's gun to her, and they started to think about a possible suicide. But then when they talked to people who knew Kelsey, they sensed that wasn't likely, and something was wrong. The next day, Clinton and Cheryl flew to Woodland Park. They entered Kelsey's condo. Nothing seemed out of place. But two days later, when they returned, Clinton spotted blood in the bathroom, took a photo, and gave it to police. On December 4th, the FBI interviewed Crystal and sensed that she was being deceptive. She downplayed her relationship with Patrick and referred to him as a business acquaintance. 
that her husband told police about their relationship. A few days later, Patrick and Joseph were driving and talking about Kelsey's disappearance and all the immediate attention it was getting. When Patrick announced that if he'd known it was going to blow up and be such a big deal, that he never would have. He never finished his sentence, and Joseph didn't ask him to. He didn't want to know. On December 13th, police executed a search warrant at Patrick's house. They located a piece of paper dated just one day earlier, a list of emergency contacts for Kaylee. And interestingly, Kelsey wasn't on it. Outside, they noticed the blackened ground scorched by fire. The cadaver dog brought to the barn, picked up Kelsey's scent, and stopped at the dark spot on the hay. Another cadaver dog was brought to her condo and sensed a decomposing body scent in Kelsey's driveway. A few days later, investigators took another run at Crystal, and this time, she confessed. She returned to Kelsey's condo with investigators. As she moved around the living room and kitchen, she pointed out the blood specks she'd left behind. The video is chilling. Crystal leads them from room to room, matter-of-factly, describing what she saw and what she did. Investigators retrieved cell phone records for Kelsey, Patrick, and Crystal, which included hundreds of calls and texts. They also received video surveillance from businesses around town. All this evidence created a timeline and backed up Crystal's confession. On December 21st, police arrested Patrick. A month after killing Kelsey, he was charged with six counts of first-degree murder, first-degree murder felony, tampering with the deceased human body, and three solicitation charges for each time he instructed Crystal to commit first-degree murder. Investigators were determined to find what remained of Kelsey on February 23rd, they descended on the landfill just south of Colorado Springs. Something I learned researching this story is that every dumpster can be tracked to the truck that picked it up, and every truck is tracked at the landfill using GPS. A dumpster's contents can be pinpointed to exactly where it was dumped. This assisted investigators into narrowing down the search area to a precise 135 feet by 32 feet. Garbage was loaded into trucks and moved to a staging area where agents meticulously waded through it. After nearly two months of searching, investigators found nothing. In November, News 5 reported that Patrick was sitting in jail waiting for his trial to begin and tried to convince another inmate to help him take care of some witnesses before they could testify and even suggested ways the hits could be carried out. The inmate reported him and all witnesses lived to be heard in court. 
The jury found Patrick guilty on all charges. The judge ordered him to stand and said, Kelsey spent her last night caring for you, and you viciously beat her to death the following day and sentenced him to the maximum of life in prison for 156 years with no possibility of parole. Kelsey's parents got custody of Kaylee and filed a wrongful death suit against Patrick. Crystal agreed to testify against Patrick and pled guilty to one count of tampering with physical evidence. She received the maximum sentence of three years. District Attorney Dan May commented, We did a deal with the devil, but without it, Kelsey wouldn't have received justice. Thanks for listening to Murder in 20 with less talk and more true crime. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday for the episode of Alice Uden. Born in an era of tumbleweeds and dusty towns, Alice was tough. She hid a grisly secret deep in the Ozark Mountains for nearly 40 years. But secrets have a way of slowly creeping to the surface, then there's nowhere to hide. If you're dying to hear more, past episodes of Murder in 20 are available for free at murderin20.com and on all major podcast platforms. We love what we do and are dying to continue. If you enjoy listening to Murder in 20 every week, we'd be eternally grateful for your support by visiting Murder in 20 at Patreon, PayPal, or murderin20.com. We'd like to acknowledge Purple Planet for use of their music, sound effects and fasting studios and quick sounds, and our many editorial sources who are listed on our website. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Stay safe, sleep with the lights on, and don't play with strangers. <laughs>